You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2021. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about without having to compromise life's everyday hustle. So save your fetching because we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Welcome to today's episode. I wanted to devote an episode to challah, the answer to everything. My favorite Jewish food, everybody's favorite Jewish food, isn't it? It is just, I think of challah and I want to smile. It brings a smile to my face. I also have seen such a rise, excuse the pun, in challah bakers on Instagram since the pandemic. So many people turn to challah baking when they had more time at home and we've seen so many incredible shapes and flavors and so much innovation around challah and I thought I had to devote an episode to challah so we have today an ode to challah with my special guest the challah mummy Allegra Benita who has an incredible story of how she became an expert challah baker. She's a tax lawyer turned challah baker and you're going to hear her story today and we're going to be talking challah, Jewish life, Jewish identity, what it means to share the beauty of Judaism through food on a platform like Instagram and there's also lots of tips for anyone who's maybe a reluctant challah baker. It's just a must listen episode. Um, I can't wait for us all to dive in so let's go. So great to have you with us today Allegra, how are you? Thanks so much for having me, I'm great, delighted to be chatting to you. Me too, we've, we've, we've chatted in the past, we've DM'd, we love each other's content but this is the first chance we're getting to sit down together and, and have a chat so I'm really delighted, thank you for, for being with us today. It's really my pleasure. When I heard you were doing a podcast, I knew that was absolutely up your street and I was desperate to be part of it. So <laughs> yeah, really no, this is so exciting. So we've got so much to talk about, but I love starting with where it all started, which is, you know, talking about your life growing up Jewish. Um, so, so, so let's dive in. How, how did Judaism play a role in your life growing up? Uh, massively, absolutely massively. I, I grew up in uh, Jewish northwest London or an area of, Jew- of northwest London that has traditionally and typically uh, been where lots of Jewish people live. And, and even though I didn't grow up uh, religious or observant, um, I grew up with a very traditional upbringing. It's still Ju- Judaism really was a part of everything we did all the time, whether it was the food that we were eating or the conversations we were having, the literature we were reading, the songs we were singing. Um, it was a very big part of our lives, which is one of the things that's so interesting that you can be not observant or strictly religious, but you can still be so filled with the with the traditions and the culture and all the, the wonderful things that, that Judaism has to has to bring. So I, I didn't go to Jewish school, but I went to uh, Hebrew classes every Sunday and I studied um, all the way up to having an actual GCSE um, kind of qualification that we have in the UK, you know, in the 16 in Jewish studies. So it was always very important for my family that we had a Jewish education as well as a secular education. 
And we used to go to my grandma every single Friday night without fail for Shabbos dinner and every Yontav. Uh, even though we didn't go to shul very much, we still had it as very much part of our of our lives. So yeah, massive and, and still is now, even though in a, in a different way. I love that. And I love, you know, London's one of the most international cosmopolitan cities in the world, hugely multicultural, but incredible to hear that, you know, you had such a Jewish upbringing. It sounds like it seeped into every, every corner. Did you ever feel at any point kind of, you know, at, at a non-Jewish school, was there ever any tension between being Jewish and not Jewish or did it just all blend really nicely because you were in a Jewish neighbourhood and things like that? Yeah, I, I think blending is something that London does really well. So growing up in London, whatever your history, whatever your culture, whatever your tradition, it's one of the most multicultural cities in the world and people learn respect and, and tolerance and appreciation from when they're when they're born there or when they live there and grow up and it's and it's a wonderful thing and a gift that growing up in London can give you to be able to um, combine the wonderful things about your cultures with the wonderful things about others so whether it's you, you go for a, for lunch in a sort of typically Jewish restaurant or a kosher restaurant and then you go to the Notting Hill Carnival and then you go to an exhibition on whatever it is there's so much on offer that I really felt um, I didn't feel like I uh, that I was standing out for the wrong reasons. I felt like I was blending in for the right reasons. And, and wherever you sit on the religious scale and wherever you feel comfortable as a family, there is always a place for you as a, as a Jew in London in this day and age. And, and that's something wonderful that, that so many people in the past never, never got to feel. So I, I feel privileged to be able to feel that way. I feel exactly the same. You know, I also grew up in London, in Northwest London, and I agree with you. One of the things I value so much about London to this day is the way it embraces so many cultures. We all sit side by side so beautifully, and it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful city to grow up in and, and still live in. Um, so obviously you're the challah queen, you're the challah mommy. Did you bake challah growing up? Have to ask the question. <laughs> no, absolutely not. We never, ever baked challah growing up. And we, we bought challah from one of the fabulous kosher bakeries. Uh, there are many of them in northwest London. And the idea that you might bake your own was never, ever part of my <laughs> upbringing. And, and I don't think it was necessarily part of if you were more religious. I don't think people baked their own challah. Everyone got it from the bakery. And, and it's it's part of a, a sort of back to roots, farm to fork, sort of incredible gastro food movement that's been taking uh, taking place over the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years that people have started to to come to it and and bake things and go back to, to starting from scratch in a way that they never used to. But no, we were 100% shop bought and, <laughs> and, and loved it growing up, always bought. That's so interesting. I think you're absolutely right. And obviously with the research during the pandemic, you must've noticed it yourself and you've been baking challah and Instagramming challah long before the pandemic began, but that rise of challah Instagrammers um, yeah. It's just it's just brought that out in us. But it's funny how what in the 70s, 80s, we don't bake challah, we buy it. Um, that's really interesting. And obviously, there's so many ways to get creative with your challah when baking it. We'll come on to that. I still want to stick to yeah. um, childhood and hear about your your. Did you have your bat mitzvah in London? Did you have your wedding in London? Tell us a bit about some of those Jewish rites of passage. 
Yeah, I did. So I had a, a really gorgeous bat mitzvah um, in North London. We had it at home at the time where we were living and we had the ceremony um, at a United Synagogue. So a sort of, how would you describe United Synagogue if you're not familiar with the UK division of synagogues? Yeah, I suppose sort of the orthodox, orthodox scale. Yeah, modern orthodox. Yeah, and um, at the time, I was not allowed to have anything that was my bat mitzvah in the main shul, but we were allowed to have a sort of parallel service in the kind of shul hall, where members of our family and people that were important to us were able to participate in the actual service. And then at the end, I was allowed to do a Devar Torah uh, to both the, the female and male congregants, but I, I was not allowed to do that in the main shul at the time. I don't know whether things have have moved on now as a female yes. as a female yeah no as, as a as a bar mitzvah and I, and I think that was the only sort of wrinkle in the celebrations because it, it was it was really wonderful and and my mom organized the most gorgeous party and it was at home so it was a really lovely kind of um, intimate feeling with people that we really loved um but it is strange to say to a young girl you know you're becoming a woman in this day and age in this modern society um, we, you know, we encourage you to read a lot and think a lot and have intellectual thoughts. But I'm sorry, you can't actually stand up in shul. You have to read your your devatora, your your pat, you know, your speech about what's important for you as a Jewish woman as a parallel service on the side. And and I know that that's one of the the things that can be difficult for young women within a more orthodox setting. Um, but I think that was the only the only part. I think I I would have liked to have the opportunity to speak in a more public forum. But did I you question it, or did you just? I did, and I did. And, well, we had. I definitely had lots of conversations with my mom and with my sister about it at the time, and about the messages, and 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 also the the, the tensions and the difficulties and the the controversies and everything that they, that that they have. And and I think it is an ongoing conversation. I, I hope that in the last, I'm now 35, so it was quite a while ago that there have been sort of movements forward to allow women to participate in in a different way within that kind of community and and certainly please god one day i have a daughter of my own and i'd like her to to feel empowered please god at her own but mitzvah to be able to participate i hope a little more fully than i was able to but but i i, I know it's it's complicated it's very complicated and um i i don't know allegra's mum but i do feel like i know her because <laughs> she's a very um talented and gifted broadcaster um, thank you in here, here in the UK and I'm sure many of you abroad know exactly who she is Vanessa Feltz and when I think of her I think of a really strong woman that doesn't take and and, and that's interesting actually because in Jewish culture the woman is strong she is the matriarch she is the sort of and yet how interesting that you know in these rituals um, yes it's changing but you know you still get sort of thrown like like you say, you were being brought up to achieve whatever you wanted, do whatever you wanted. It's it's an interesting, an interesting one, and really grateful for you for, for, for mentioning that and, and, and as a point of discussion. Because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes when I think about mitzvahs and look back, I just think of like, I was going to say to you like, what did you wear? Tell me about your eighties yeah. outfit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I had a, I, I had a lovely I had a lovely dress at the time. My mom was was doing. She was on the bed in the morning with loads of celebrities on a program called The Big yes, Breakfast. I remember and she, that. And she so used fun. to lie. It was about eight o'clock in the morning every morning, and she'd lie down on an actual bed 
with various celebrities, both Hollywood and kind of UK celebrities, and she'd be wearing full evening gown from top to toe. <laughs> and she was sent off to America to source all these incredible evening gowns that she would wear on the bed. And so she had just lots and lots of lovely jewels and gorgeous gowns. And so my bat mitzvah dress was actually made out of one of her kind of gowns that me. she wore goosebumps. on the TV. It was, it was pale pink That's and had amazing. a little kind of sequin part on the top. And it all sort of flared out. It was absolutely gorgeous. So when you turned around, it would turn circle. It was so pretty. And I had little um, shoes with a very little heel because I was allowed to just a little heel. And they had ribbons all the way up, like a ballerina shoes and little rosebuds. And then I had a very pretty kind of tiara in my hair with, with rosebuds in my hair, nice and long. We went we went full on kind yes. of gurney, full on gurney. Are you going to share a picture with us that I could include in the show notes? I oh, have I to hope see so. this dress. I hope so. It was, it was sweet. Oh, it sounds was, fabulous. Yeah, it was it was lovely, and now my and now my own daughter tries it on, which is also very nice to see. Oh, we'd love we generations. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have a picture in the show notes by the time this this episode airs. And what about growing up? Did, who, when you think back, who your who your did you have any Jewish role models? I suppose they were just role models and have to be Jewish. But does anyone spring to mind? So, so growing, when I was growing up, absolutely my mom, num, number one in in every in every way. And for for, for those who don't know her, maybe you're the non UK audience. Everyone she, she, in the UK knows exactly yeah, who she is. But just yeah, but, just in case, just yeah. in case, she's she was like Oprah Winfrey, I suppose, is a, is a comparison. So she was the first British chat show hostess, and she was actually flown out to America to train how to be a chat show hostess because it was a new genre that hadn't been introduced in the UK yet. And she trained with Joe Springer and she trained with Maury Povich for the American audience I who remembers, that, but it who remembers a... Maury. Yeah, but she yeah. went out to train with them and then came back and had a show called Vanessa. And that I was remember very, very well, yes. That's right, that was the very first time we'd had that kind of Joe Springer, Oprah Winfrey type, Ricky Lake type show in the UK. And so she was um, you know, a real trailblazer in that sense, you know, to have a, a young Jewish lady. And she was always, always very proudly and openly and supportively Jewish. She used to write in the Jewish Chronicle and she was campaigning for the Erev when I was a little girl for the Erev in London. So wow. um, she's she's a role model in, in all senses, an absolute incredible she woman. Is. But as a, as a Jewish woman as well, for a young Jewish girl growing up, she was my my, my total role model in every sense and still and still is still is and, that, and awesome, talking awesome about lady. being um sort of openly Jewish like that so I want to hear about you and and you know with your business if it's made you even more openly um you know unapologetically Jewish but mm. should we start with how did you I mean obviously it sounds like you've always have been and and it's the very essence of you but let's I'd love to hear the story of how you started doing what you're doing um and the story of how you became Chala Mami um the Instagram Chala Queen all the fabulous Chala labels that I associate with you <laughs> well thank you so much so so the, the truth is really I'm I, I was I started off um, my kind of adult career as in in a way that we couldn't be more different from baking and Instagram I'm actually a tax lawyer that's my my real real or original career if, if you want to talk about it like that so I um I went to a, a very academic um, school for girls from five all the way to 18 and um, then I went to Cambridge and read languages followed by law um, and graduated with a qualifying law degree then I went to law school and then I went straight into one of the big magic circle um, international law firms uh, in, based in Canary Wharf and I worked there for five years qualifying as a tax lawyer and, and part of that I worked um, over a year in the Paris office and I worked in Toulouse for Airbus and um, I went into a bank for a while I had you know totally 
incredible very fast paced it sounds very like. fast paced yes. very cool very corporate and um, very serious very intellectually stimulating and mm. um, and I really really loved it I love the opportunities I love the travel I love the colleagues I just I really loved it and it was fabulous when I was sort of 21 and 22 and clip-clopping around London and, and, and traveling in my high heels and just having a ball. Um, and it started to become a bit more problematic when I got married um, to a uh, most wonderful, um, very from, uh, very religious Sephardi, French Sephardi boy. So very, very different from me in lots of ways. Um, and when we got married, it started to become difficult never to know what time I was coming home. And, and, and also we decided as a family that we would be keeping Shabbat, which was nothing I had ever done before, but in keeping with my husband's tradition. And so that started to become a little bit difficult as well. And then when I became pregnant with my first child, I had two children, my son Ziki, who's now seven and a half. I think from the moment he was born, I just knew that I couldn't carry on working in that kind of way with those kind of hours. I just thought I will never see my child. And I just couldn't imagine being parted from him for even one single second, let alone being able to work in that kind of way. I just fell in love with him even before he was born and I couldn't leave him. And at the time, the flexibility just wasn't there for the career that I was I was doing for, for various reasons. And so I decided to take a career pause and, and be a full-time mummy, kind of supported by my husband, supported by my family. And um, was full-time mummy, had my daughter 21 months later. So you know, it was just full-time mumming and, and, and finding it to be the greatest honor and privilege of my life and incredibly challenging. You know, it's really, really hard being a parent. Absolutely. Really hard. Um, and, and, and so rewarding and so stimulating and the, the most kind of difficult thing I'd ever done, but the most enjoyable thing I'd ever done all at the same time. And, and I just was loving being with my kids. And I'm a zero screen time mummy. That's that's part of the, my kind of parenting philosophy. So I was always looking for exciting and interesting and stimulating things to do with the kids that didn't involve screens or telly or devices or anything like that. So I began cooking with them and baking with them. At what age were the kids? So little, little, you know, as soon as they could, I don't mind, I don't mind mess at all. I'm, I'm, I'm really cool in that sense. So as long as they could be involved, I didn't care whether the whole house was a disaster, but just to get activities and things to do with them that would be sensory and be stimulating and, and we would just be able to have loads of fun together so we started I started baking and cooking really to entertain the kids it was nothing I'd ever done before um, I was from a very kind of intellectual corporate sort of environment I never had time to cook or bake before but it's something I did for the kids and one Friday afternoon it was raining and we just done everything we painted pictures we read books we just you know it's still raining we couldn't go out and so I thought you know what we're just gonna bake color together and I had a recipe and I thought we're gonna we're gonna make rainbow color we'll this dye was the your dose. first color. first time first okay. color I thought we're gonna dye the dough six different colors and we're gonna make rainbow color and the whole house was an absolute was say. <laughs> we were dyed rainbow colors the floor was dyed rainbow colors I don't even know what, what we came up with and what actually was the output but the kids loved it and they were so proud of themselves when we had it for, for, for Shabbat dinner that we had this color that they had made. And my husband, who comes from a very different tradition, they always make their own color. Ever since he was a, ever since he was a little boy, they never still bought their color at all. In, in he grew up in Paris. So for him, he was like, ah, oh, finally, the taste of <laughs> the taste of home, the taste of Shabbat that I remember. So the kids were delighted, he was delighted. And then the next Friday, the kids were like, well, what fun color are we making this week? So we started making really bright, fun, 
child-friendly designs kind of out of color so using color a bit like a a bit like play-doh or a bit like clay to be able to express a kind of family fun element and it became something that we do every Friday for Shabbat dinner and then it kind of just went poof and that's how it started so it was a very happy accident of something I did with the kids that just kind of at what point did you think at what point because it sounds fantastic and I love making hello with my kids. We haven't tried the rainbows. Um, we might do that. But at what point does it become something fun to do with the kids that obviously really sparks your Jewish joy and Jewish identity for the kids? And it becomes Instagram and a business. And I know you do so many fabulous things. What was that turning point? So I think the turning point was was probably um, my appearance on ITV's this morning. Um, That's the turning was, point. Yeah, which is it was a very it was a, which is a kind of the major daytime TV show. This is, in the yeah, UK. So like the Good Morning like the, America. Like Good Morning America. It's exactly, big, exactly. And and so I was invited on um, this morning to showcase my rainbow color because Holly, who's one of the presenters, loves rainbows, and so I was very pleased to go on and, and show it to her. And and it was very exciting for me for a number of reasons. First of all, it was my first kind of foray into broadcasting and and I'd always grown up seeing my mum do it and been watching on the other side of the camera but to have the opportunity to to appear myself and 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 be part of the studio and that kind of excitement so that was really great but it was even better for another reason and, and that was being able to showcase something beautiful and exciting from Jewish cuisine on national mainstream TV so to be able to go on telly in the UK and say look this is something wonderful we have to offer this is our marvellous bread. It's called challah. No one can pronounce it. It's written challah. Nobody knows why, <laughs> but this is what it is. And you can braid it and you can colour it and you can shape it. And this is something wonderful that Judaism has to offer. And to be given the chance to have that platform on mainstream TV was a really big deal, both personally and I think for the community as a, as a whole. I've got huge goosebumps listening to that because I I don't think I remember any episode of any morning television daytime television talking about Judaism other than unfortunately something like anti-semitism or and how wonderful is that what was the reaction it was it was great and I I, I hope that, that somebody watching who perhaps maybe wasn't as familiar with with our religion or our culture or our traditions might have the chance to think, oh, Jewish, or oh, a Jewish person, or oh, right, that's the one that has that lovely bread, rather than have a negative association or an uninformed association. I I wanted to show a familiar, friendly face and the lovely things that we have as part of our tradition. So um, I was very pleased to have the chance to to do that and send that message out out for those people who are watching. What we'll do, we'll put a clip of that in the show notes because it's it's fantastic and it it will guarantee to put a big smile on your face. It was a great yeah, segment. it was good fun. It was just really good fun, and we, yes. we tried to we tried to braid these six strand rainbow colours, and the two presenters were trying to braid alongside me, and it's really tricky. And I was it was a good laugh. Everyone had a good fun time, and I think showcasing um, Jewish things with also that kind of lightness and just the, the fun aspect is also important too. It doesn't always have to be serious. It really doesn't. What would be really great to see, I know it's happens in America, I haven't seen it here, correct me if I'm wrong, in the UK, is, you know, with the holidays, whether it's Hanukkah or Rosh Hashanah, seeing some ideas like that on national TV mm. for for the holidays, that that's the next step. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
And so you're obviously famous for your incredibly unique color shapes. Where do you get the inspiration? What's your favorite creation spill? <laughs> Thank you. So, so the part one is, is the kids. The kids often kind of ask me things, things that they'd like, especially for our kind of family friendly ones. We, I make a lot of 3D colors that stand up. Um, that stand up on the table and they kind of shape like a, we do one that's a marshmallow mountain and we do uh, one that looks like Mount Sinai for Shavuot, which is really fun. And they kind of uh, really, uh, really just, just for a good laugh and for the kids to be really pleased. And when we have their friends over, they really like those ones. But my other inspiration follows uh, seasonal produce, um, most of which I grow myself. Um, uh, or in London, in, in a in city London, garden. In London, yeah, that's right. We had a tiny, tiny, tiny micro urban garden that we grow. And um, we had at one point, I think, 30 different varieties of fruit and vegetables, which we grow in pots and up the walls because we didn't have any space. Um, and so I used the produce that was seasonal and that we'd grown ourselves, or I'm a, I'm a big fan of foraging as well. So if I have the opportunity to be somewhere and forage kind of local ingredients in, in the hedgerow and stuff, I just love all that stuff. So I, I like to fill the hullers with fresh and um, preferably homegrown seasonal produce and that creates some gorgeous designs. So one of my favorite ones is um, an elderflower strawberry and mint color. And elderflower grows here in this in the springtime, sort of in, in the UK around kind of May, May time. And I make my own elderflower cordial with elderflower that I forage. And then I infuse the elderflower into the actual hollow dough. So you know how you would usually start hollow with water as the base, and then you might add a bit of sugar in the water to get the yeast all excited. Well, I use the elderflower cordial as the base rather than water. And, and it makes the most incredible mm -hmm. subtle flavor and also gives the yeast a total fun party because it loves the sugar that's in the cordial. And then you can add lemons and then you can fill it with strawberry chunks and mint. And it's just great. And to me, that showcases challah in the best possible way. So it can be something that both looks gorgeous, tastes gorgeous, and is a whole sort of gastronomic experience in itself, preferably that can showcase the best that nature has, has on offer. So and, and it's, yeah, and it's such an accessible way to be Jewish as well, you know, um, sometimes people I don't know a synagogue, I don't belong to a community or I've just converted and I don't feel Jewish, whatever it is. And it's mm -hmm. like, bake a challah, if you really, and I want to ask you about sort of people that think I can't do it, I can't do it, like what would your advice be on? But before we get on to that, you can always even buy a challah and um, put some sprinkles or some fun toppings or get the kids to decorate it. But it's just, you eat challah, it tastes great and you feel Jewish. I mean, it's 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 a fab fabulous conversation, a fabulous combination. It so, is. And I've been so pleased to see challah kind of gracing the menus of non-kosher restaurants as well. Now you start to see really, really funky establishments serving uh, burgers, but with a challah bun or um, bread and butter pudding, but with color as the bread rather than other things. So it's making its way more mainstream. Why do you gradually. think that is? I think because it's young. I think it's absolutely scrummy and it and it works as a as a vehicle. I have a very good friend, um, James Max, who's a brilliant presenter. And he always says it's a brilliant vehicle. You can enjoy it with so many different toppings and it goes sweet and savory. So how cool is that? You can enjoy it with, you know, with your, with your chocolate spread or your jam or your honey. And you can also enjoy it with smoked salmon or avocado or, or cheese or whatever it happens to be. It really is a very versatile bread. And I think that's why people love it. It is the answer to everything. I mean, seriously. <laughs> and what's that's your right. personal favourite topping? What do you love putting on challah? Well, at the moment, we're absolutely loving 
in just enjoying it very simple, but with honey. And we actually have our own honey. And um, we, we spend quite a lot of time in the Irish countryside. And in the Irish countryside, we have our own beehives. And we're just hoping that now that we're looking at the second, our second sort of annual harvest. But that is one of the coolest things I've ever done, learn, learn how to look after bees. And, and, and I, as I've mentioned, I love growing things. And I love seasonal produce and I love being outside in nature. But to be able to complete the full circle, which is to give the love and the respect to the bees and then help them with their honey and then use that honey in your cooking. And then it all goes round and round. And that, that's a great lesson for the kids as well. And what an amazing contrasting what last decade or whatever you've had totally. from sort of the knee deep in, in tax law and not a moment to yourself to this um, incredible. I love what you're saying about tell us more about growing your own produce in a city, because I think we all presume we can't do it. We're too busy. We don't have space. And then yeah. using it in your challah. I think this is incredible. Tell us more. And also tell us how can we make it really easy and accessible? Because, again, I think about making a challah. Of course, I'd love to do it more. Um, more than just on the holidays which is the only time we do it these days but I always think oh it's going to take too much time so how do we make it easy so I think growing can be easy because you don't need anything expensive and you don't need anything sophisticated you just need a pot with some drainage just a hole in the bottom some soil and a sunny windowsill so even if you don't have a garden even if you don't have a balcony just a sunny windowsill will do and you'll be able to find something that's the right time of year for you to grow it even if it's chili plants on the windowsill or little cucumbers you can grow inside try and think about the things that you like to eat or your kids like to eat and just have a go with, you know with this with the seed and, and I found that my kids often will turn their noses up and reject a whole load of different vegetables but if they've grown it themselves they'll absolutely eat it so they'll pop a fresh pea out of a pod that they've grown themselves because they've nurtured the plant and they've watched it grow but if you try and serve them frozen pea that's no absolutely not I wouldn't touch it so it's a it's a great way to in, infuse and inspire kids to to eat their own um, produce and as for baking color I mean I'm self-taught so I, I I'm exactly an example of how you can just have a go and the great thing about color is you make it all in one bowl you just stick everything in the same ingredients you don't need any fancy kit you don't need a Kenwood mixer or other mixer you can just do it by hand and also if you're you know if you're strapped for time you can make your dough the day before or the night before and let it do its first big rise overnight in the fridge so you you don't even need to kind of block out a whole day to do it you can do it in parts to fit around your more busy lifestyle so i think it's if you're if you're in doubt and you've never had a go please do have a go and i'm always happy to share my recipe with anyone who wants it and um could we include a link to recipe in the show notes or is instagram the best way to find a recipe we can do both we can do both great we're just going to take a quick break i'm just going to tell you about something i love and we're going to be right back we're going to talk more challah and more of everything with allegra i wanted to take a moment to tell you about my community my jewish community membership club it's for jewish and jewish women all over the world and i want to tell you about it because you might want to become a member so it's such a special place. I want you to know what it's all about. Um, in one line, it is everything you've ever wanted in a Jewish community. Um, it's for all Jewish women, whether you are in the process of converting or have converted, or you're a patrilineal Jew, or you're traditional, or you're not so observant, or you call yourself a cultural Jew, or a traditional Jew, or whatever it is. In fact, we are just not about labels at all. As long as you've got a connection to Judaism and you're ready to build the life you want on your terms, you're ready for smashing life. It is 
a place to share Jewish culture and joy, a place to connect with like-minded Jewish women. It's a place to live your Jewish life your way, what the podcast says on the tin. I want you to live that with us, empowered by the community. And obviously inside the community, you're going to learn beautiful, modern and traditional Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. You're going to advance in your life and career and we make it so much fun. It is a joyful place. The place to nourish your own personal development while connecting with other like-minded Jewish women around the corner from you and across the globe. And we have all kinds of ways of facilitating connection. You'll never feel like the new kid inside Smashing Life. You'll be immediately welcomed and supported and loved. There is so much warmth in there. It is this beautiful, safe, non-judgmental space. And like I say, we have a lot of fun. We have, we do so many things. We have plenty of social events, both online and in real life. We have meetups all over the world, but a lot of it is online if you live somewhere remote or you just fancy staying in your pajamas for the day, but you wanna hang out with your fellow Smashing Lifers. We, we do lots of fun. On social events you'll access a community of ready-made like-minded jewish friends again both local and international there's so much thought goes into our monthly programming we have expert masterclasses chosen by you we have all kinds of fun things going on like weekly yoga and a book club and crafts club we have a member generated recipe book where everyone shares their recipes and we have this gorgeous recipe book for you to flick through it's online flick through virtually and and find the recipe book that you want we do have a grand plan to publish it and make it into a, a wonderful cookbook that we can sell for charity but right now it's a virtual members only smashing life jewish cookbook it's wonderful we have great jewish bake-offs we have modern jewish life experts coming in to 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 share ideas that are going to inspire us and fill our lives with purpose. We do virtual Shabbats masterclasses. We have plenty of members only discounts and gifts and we add new ones every month. It's a place for accountability and support when you need it. It's an environment of opportunity and Jewish values. And I would love you to, to join in and, and, and experience it. I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about what Ashley, one of our members says about it. So I want you to hear it in our members words. She says, Smashing Life is an absolutely magical community that provides connections to kind and supportive Jewish friends all over the world. Masterclasses to help guide us with life hacks accountability partnering, yummy recipes, twice weekly Zoom yoga sessions and Zoom get togethers and in-person get togethers too. And we are close enough to share our life milestones and victories and vulnerable and safe enough to share our defeats and low points. And we receive an incredible amount of genuine support for each high point, low point and everywhere in between. Join Smashing Life for year round awesomeness, warmth, support, fun, life hacks and resources oh we love you ashley if you're listening to this and you fancy joining smashing life all you need to do is head to smashinglife.club and add your name and email address to the waitlist that's smashinglife.club c-l-u-b and add your name to the waitlist and you'll get an email just as soon as a space becomes available and our doors are open to welcome you in so if you are ready for connections and friendships that will last a lifetime 
If you're ready to advance in every area of your life, and of course, if you're ready to build a life you want on your terms and be part of a group of Jewish women to connect, engage and share life struggles and triumphs with, you are definitely ready for smashing life. So Allegra, one question I would love to ask you, because we normally talk about all the fun aspects of Chala, but let's talk history. Have you been able to trace the history of Chala? So Chala seems to be a little bit of an unusual, unusual cuisine because everybody has their own idea of where it comes from and their own ways of preparing it. I mean, certainly the idea that the double portion of manna fell for Shabbat and that's why we have our two Chalas on Friday night and, and, and on Shabbat lunch to remind us of the double portion that fell on Shabbat. So there are traditions that you can sort of trace back and, and answers, but I think it's a very personal, it's a very personal thing and everyone has their own idea of of where it came from and why. And certainly I've never managed to get to the bottom of why it's platted. The answer I always get is, well, that's just the way it's always been done. That's tradition. But if any of your audience know or have an idea, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about it. What we'd love you to do if you're listening right now, and even if you've got any questions about Hala or you know about the history of Hala or you just want to contribute to our conversation, screenshot your phone right now and tag us on um, Instagram. I'm at Your Jewish Life and you are Allegra. What are you on Instagram? I'm at Allegra Benita. Allegra Benita. And join in. Let us know um, what about Hala and has anyone got any answers to the history of Hala, why we do what we do, why we plat it? Uh, if you'd rather DM us, do it that way. But yeah, let us know. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it one way or the other through this episode. There's probably 300 or 400 different stories. Uh, we'll gather them all. Um, so you, you talked earlier about when you met your husband, he was, um, you know, keeping Shabbat a, a little more religious than you were when you met. How How's, how's that continued or changed in, in married life do you do you celebrate or mark shabbat um obviously you do with your challah but tell us more about a typical shabbat for you yes yeah, so so as a family we do we are shema, we are shema shabbat and also uh, strictly kosher so um shabbat is always the loveliest time in the week in terms of quality family time and it is true what people say about being able to turn your phone off and not be distracted by any kind of modern technology and just to focus on being together as a family. And, and you know, my husband works very hard and it's the, the time in the week that we, we see him most and that my kids get to spend time with him. And it's not something I ever wanted to do particularly. It's not something that ever really appealed to me growing up. It was very different from what we did as a, as a, as a traditional Jewish family. Um, but having decided to do it as a family for the benefits we feel it brings to our our children and our family life and the community that we have around it and um, it's really it's really something very special indeed and aside from making do you feel the pressure now to make incredible <laughs> challahs every friday or I, well I, lo- I love it when we when we go to friends and they bought it from a bakery i'm always so thrilled it's like oh yes one from a shop <laughs> my childhood how fabulous i always i always love it just to just to have it but um no it's it's i i, I do make make challah every week always for shoppers and usually several times a week just because I'm always baking for for different things I do a lot of recipe design and I'm a tastemaker for a UK supermarket so I sometimes design recipes for them and and take part in their kind of culinary events but um you'll see that the the content that I feature on my Instagram is always kosher and I think that's important as well about the kind of um platform that I have on Instagram and the kind of um, you know, message that I'm sending out about my Judaism and how and how we're living as a family in 2021. 
And let's talk about Instagram. How has Instagram impacted your journey? And and I mean, obviously, Hala is a big on Instagram. Um, and obviously, you started it before it got really big. So how's Instagram changed things for you negatively, positively? So I think that for the modern business, it seems that Instagram is absolutely essential. And it's kind of the way that people used to have a website to showcase the kind of things that they do. And now people tend to to go to Instagram. And I, I really like Instagram because it allows people to pursue their interests in, in a way. So whether it's if it's interior design or if it's foreign travel or if it's you know, knitting or, or, or baking or whatever it is, you're you're able to tap into some incredible creative content and, and really share ideas and and the thing that's so nice about the holiday baking community on Instagram and as you said it has really expanded a lot since um, since COVID as well with more people kind of throwing their hats in the ring and doing exciting things with colour but it seems to be very supportive and very caring so um, everybody who does it will always share their recipes or always give each other ideas lots of people try each other's styles and braids and and it's you, you often see the hala creators always commenting positively on all the other creators posts and one of the things that i like really like that you've done is, is hala of the week and um, because i think it really shines a spotlight on some of the incredible uh, bakes and designs that are out there and lets people see other people's stuff and, and you find yourself being inspired by what other people are creating and and that's part of the journey it feels like we're all and pulling together and enjoying something lovely rather than being separate creators kind of doing their own thing it seems like a we're all kind of beating to a communal rhythm and that's that's really nice yeah so on your Jewish life which is our Instagram account every Friday from the day I started it we have color of the week which is just a bit of fun to highlight a different color maker but some of them really oh they all really catch my eye for so many reasons and uh, we've got them all saved in the color highlights if you want to look at them all so um one other thing I love about Instagram is obviously the relationships you make. I'm not quite sure how connected we would have been without Instagram. And that goes for so many of my internet friends. I met them on Instagram. It's an incredible um, place to discover and meet. And it's, yeah, I'm very grateful for it too. Um, so aside from Khala, what other Shabbat traditions do you enjoy participating in? So I, I love to light the candles every week. I, I feel that that's a very quiet and peaceful moment just when you, you know, put everything down and you've finished your preparations and you're ready to, to start Shabbat. And I, I now do light the candles with my with my daughter and, and she can recite the bracha as well. And, and that's and, and, and if we're spending Shabbat with, with my mom or my sister and, and we all do it together and, and my, my mom's not observant, she's just traditional, but it's a moment that we spend together and it's something that you feel is passed down from generation to generation. And it's just a very simple message, message a very simple blessing, but something that's very meaningful. And I, I really like that that moment of peace and quiet kind of just as it's just as it starts but um we we see family we see friends lots of other our friends that are also showing Shabbat that's our moment to to spend with them and before COVID we used to have lots of families overall we go to our friends and and that's something I've really missed a lot during COVID not being able to spend Shabbat with friends and, and just have those kind of afternoons stretching out before you when no one's in a hurry and no one's going anywhere because everybody's keeping Shabbat so there's nowhere else to go and so you're just relaxing and spending time and the kids all play together. And, and that's that's really nice. And I used to love making these big kind of um, Ottolenghi style inspired kind of buffets with loads of different salads and meats and, just, and everyone kind of helping themselves and, and having gorgeous dishes to serve them on and that kind of thing. And I, I do I do miss that. We've still not managed to resurrect that post-COVID. And, and one day soon, I hope people will be able to, to all sit together inside and enjoy and share like they used to, because that's that's a real a real loss of this whole thing. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure at the start of the pandemic, you 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 did some virtual Shabbats as we all did, and it was it was okay. It kept us going. But yeah, well, now we couldn't we... we couldn't do virtual Shabbat because we're a bit we're a bit religious. Of course, that, so we, we could course. never. So, so so it often felt a little bit isolated because you couldn't connect. And and certainly the first when we had Seder night and the first Pesach when we had when COVID had just started and it was really early days and no one knew what was going on and it was very frightening having. Uh, stayed a night kind of isolated like that that was really difficult I think you not being able to connect with people that you love and those any of those moments Rosh Hashanah you know all of the, you know Hanukkah those moments when you would want to be with your family and yes. connect and, and just being by yourselves that was it felt really tough and that's really interesting because of course you, you didn't have the benefit of the tech to keep yourselves connected so it was very very isolating mm. um in the dream world no pandemic no dead or alive everyone's here Wh- who which three jewish people dead or alive would you have around your friday night dinner table and why three so i so i'd have my late grandma grandma my grandma valerie felt so i would have her she passed away when i was only nine and and she was a a, a lovely lady with an incredible and elegance and she was sort of delicate and ladylike and I, I miss her terribly and I'd like to have the chance to be with her again and um, I would pick Ruth Bader Ginsburg just absolutely rock on her she's a total inspiration to me both as a female as a Jew as a lawyer and um, I would absolutely love the chance to be able to to talk to her and just experience her conversation and sharing her mind and the way that she thought and the things that she did for for women and for men and for equality and as a Jewish woman uh, absolutely inspirational and exceptional I, I would love to have her and um, and then I would also have my my own my real friend and I've, I've known him ever since I was a, a teenager I would have Rob Rinder who is oh, just an yes. exceptional incredible human being he is such fun and so bright and so kind and he's doing really really impressive things for for Judaism in in, in the UK and and thinking about um, the Holocaust and the legacy and, and the history and making sure that he's bringing those ideas to everybody into the mainstream as well and, and he is always just pure joy and entertainment and lovely to be with so I'd have him as well. Well we'll have to get Rob on the podcast in due course because yes I, I, I recall seeing him doing a lot of really important stuff to do with the Holocaust just to do with raising awareness and, and yeah. using. I, sh- I should say Rob Rinder MBE because he's been on a award in MBE for his services yes. to, to Judaism and to, yes. and to Holocaust research so. And um, it's great seeing people like you, your mom, Rob using using their platforms, you know, to be openly and unapologetically Jewish. Um, Is it something you wish more people would do or or it's just a very personal thing? I mean, we're so Jewish and proud. I think, especially I can see from our conversation, it's just seeping out of you. You couldn't be anything otherwise. What do you think about, you know, people encouraging people to be openly and unapologetically Jewish or or hiding it or any any thoughts on on that? I I think it is a, a personal decision. But I think anyone who would like to be more um, confident or more openly Jewish and, and is has a fear or, or possibly has a shame, which is such is would, would be such a shame in itself to feel that way. I think um, I hope people would feel empowered by um, by you know Instagram accounts like yours, and I hope Instagram accounts like mine and things that people are doing out there to feel confident enough to be who you are 
um, in today's society, whoever that is and, and whatever shape or form that might take. Um, but to be proud of who you are and proud of your history and not feel scared or shame to, to voice that and, and make sure that it's it's known about you and, and, and to encourage others who might be feeling that way or if they're a bit hesitant to, to get that confidence in themselves to be who they are. So absolutely, it's a personal decision, but but I would hope people would feel um, confident and feel the love enough to, to step forward and be proud of who they are because because there is such, such pride to be had. And even just baking a challah and inviting an Andrew friend around to, to share it and enjoy it all the same for a Friday night dinner. It's such a lovely thing when we invite our Andrew friends and they're just totally into it and they want yeah. to know why why do you yeah, so try, try try explaining Sukkot to Nandu with a little oven extra that's always the hardest one <laughs> we go, I always think that must look the funniest one that we have for, for, yes. for a non-Jewish audience as we're Shaking. walking around hitting, hitting ourselves with palm leaves and clutching <laughs> a lemon in our hands but um, yes so what do you love about being Jewish apart from Khala obviously uh, so I, I I love um I love the the humor um, I love the Yiddish. I love the Yiddish. We we don't we don't speak it properly, but we do kind of pepper our language with anglicised Yiddish uh, <laughs> words or, or phrases. And there's certainly um, you, there are effects you can have with Yiddish words and language that you can't have, in my view, just with straightforward English. You know, it conveys a, a feeling and a sentiment and and the kind of the, the history and the culture. That, and I love go, when your mom go with it. when your mom uses Yiddish all she the does, time, she and she I does. just love it. <laughs> she does. She does use it a lot. So I, I I love I love that. I love the 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 literary traditions and the other sort of intellectual traditions, the artistic traditions. Um, the the dance, the movement, the music tradition. I mean, we have so much on offer, and I and I think it's it's important that our our children and our little ones grow up learning about our own culture and the, and everything that Judaism has to offer alongside all the other traditions as well. And I think that's what what Judaism has has to offer in 2021. It's a piece of everything that we have and brought to modern life, sitting alongside and together with everybody else's cultures too. So. I really, really hope and try to bring up my own children to be to see what we have and to, to value it enormously and also to learn about and value other cultures too. Oh gosh, I love that. There is there is just so much. I mean, also just that that connection, that feeling of uh, well, like our history, um, the feeling when you meet another Jewish person and there's just something there. You can't yeah. even describe it on the other side of the world or whatever yeah. it is. Um and obviously Khala. <laughs> and also I think being very appreciative of and for Israel as well and the state of Israel Absolutely. and wanting to be able to support it from afar, even though we don't live there. And even though unfortunately we haven't been able to go for some time due to the pandemic, but to to be um, uh, an active supporter and to always be so glad that it's there. Mm. And, and, I, and, I, and I feel that has a very... Um, important place in in being a being a Jew living in England to always be so grateful that we have Israel as well to to go to or to turn to or to support even if it's from afar. I'm so proud to call it our homeland as well. Mm-hmm. Such a special place. Did you used to visit very regularly? Yes, very more regularly once I got married because my my husband has a sister who lives there and and lots of family on on that side, but. But us as, as a family, even if it, even if it's you're not necessarily religious or even though at a time in my life when I was more traditional than observant, but always, always glad and grateful for, for it to be there.
Oh gosh, it's been so much fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish with just a few quick fire questions. I hope sure. you don't mind, and then we'll we'll wrap up for today. But it's been so much fun. Um, I've loved that we've devoted almost our entire episode to challah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my life goals ticked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just just to finish off, I'm going to ask you just two or three quick fire questions. What's your favourite Yiddish word? <laughs> um, am I allowed Schmendrick? Am I allowed? Am I allowed Schmendrick? I, I hope I it's not that. too rude. I hope it's not too rude. <laughs> yeah, not, well, you can give it. You can give the description of what it is for anyone that's oh, not quite sure. But I, it's a great I, word. Yeah, Schmendrick is just someone who's a bit who's a bit silly. I think it's probably a nice <laughs> a nice way of calling it. Also, also Lobus. I love it. I love Lobus. So Lobus is like a bit of a rascal, kind of cheeky chappy sort of a rascal. And that's that's always a good one. And then it rhymes with Shobus. So there's en- endless. Possibilities for jokes about a lot of on shows. It's funny. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny. I was looking for um, the Yiddish word for amazing or wonderful. I wanted to sort of throw in the Yiddish word to some some text I was using. I was composing, and I looked it up, and it's like no compliment or sort of positive Yiddish yeah. word. <laughs> I think the closest yes. I got was um, Wunderbach or something. That yes, was the best yes. one. They were slightly, sort of always slightly insulting. Critical. Yeah, insulting, critical, <laughs> but in a like, gentle way. In a gentle. Way. <laughs> Um, if you only had five years to live, what's the one thing you would stop doing? You know, I, I think te- tech and TV just to an absolute minimum. I think that's the the part, the portion of life which is can can be just a great waste of time. That if we look back and have had more time, we wish we hadn't do it, hadn't done it. So less telly, less tech, and more outdoors and with family. Oh, I'm so inspired by that because. I get sucked down it all and I and I I attribute it to work you know and and it is addictive it's designed to be addictive and the hours the days the months that we've probably spent so how you said earlier that you you have the tech free not tech free sorry household screen screen free zero screen time yeah yeah was that a hard thing to implement I'm sure there'll be some people listening who would who would love to know a little more about that just before we finish sure I mean I, I think yeah it's, it's been it's been difficult and there have been moments when I just wanted to put Peppa Pig on like everybody else but I think because I made the decision to step away from my career to be there full-time for the kids and I, I gave up so much in that respect to be there it felt like I had the opportunity to be with them and the best way I felt I could be with them and the best um you know mother and, and parenting experience I could have to be with them would be to find something else to do rather than technology particularly when they're under two years old but but I've carried on even even until now so whether it's whether it's reading or baking or just being or playing talking or doing nothing yeah exactly just being together I I felt like I was very lucky to have the opportunity to have that time with them and I didn't want to um I felt the best that I could do for them was not not to give them devices we'll see how long it lasts they're getting they're getting older now so it's going to become increasingly challenging particularly socially but while I can while I can hold on and and keep keep it up I'll keep it up wow it's very inspiring it's very inspiring um and finally what what gives you purpose or what is giving you purpose right now so I think the especially coming out of the pandemic it's given everybody a chance to really think about the things that are important to them and the way that they want to spend their lives and 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 I think being surrounded by good and kind people who really want the best for you and for your family so not taking any sort of 
silliness or, or meaning behavior, just making sure that the people that are in your life are the people that, that you love and that they love you back and, and, and spending that special precious time that we've got with, with those kind of people, whether it's your friends or whether it's your family. I think being outside in nature as much as you possibly can and as much as the weather will, will permit. And, and, and I've also um, gone back towards the law. So I've started since the pandemic happened, I've started uh, lecturing in law at a, a London university. Um, which is also kind of coming back full circle to where I where I began. So I'm combining the things that I love, which is the, the friends and the family, the baking and the, and the cooking, being outdoors as much as possible. And now going back to the law as well, which is also a part of me. So all of all of that together within a very nice package of, uh, of a show Shabbos and yeah. a kosher community. Oh my goodness, it's what sounds like the most wonderful balance. You could also teach us. I mean, for me, I'm a Libran and I'm most happiest when I've got things balanced in life. And it just sounds like the perfect balance. So I'm going to keep looking to you for inspiration. I love Allegra's Instagram account, um, her website. Tell, can you just share with everyone just before we go where we can find out more about you, your recipes, and keep in touch with you? Yes, with pleasure. So on Instagram, I'm at Allegra Benita and the same. On Facebook, it's Allegra Benita. There's a Facebook page. And the website's allegrabenita.com. And I'm always happy to hear from anyone who'd like some tips about challah baking or cooking more generally and happy to share my recipe with anyone who wants it. So drop me a DM or pop me an email through my website and I will send over my recipe with the greatest pleasure. Thank you so much, Allegra. It's been the most wonderful, wonderful hour chatting with you and learning more about challah and just generally being inspired. Thank you so much for having me. It's been absolutely a pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm really honoured to have been considered to be part of it. So thank you. If this episode inspired you in some way, I'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Your Jewish Life. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That would be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I want to tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home. And it is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home, literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home. If you've got a lot of these things, it's just a great reminder. There's links to everything you need as well. So it's it's really handy in that way too. And there's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover, and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well. And all sorts of fun ideas for the items too. So just head to yourjewishlife.co slash Jewish home if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash Jewish home, all one word. And the checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.